Or if you're a first-time listener, welcome aboard. I'm your host, Aiden, and we're back for another exciting episode of The Push-Pull Factor, the podcast where we hear real migration stories from real people. Can you believe we're on episode 9? I can't believe I've been at this for quite a bit now. It's been a little over two months since October, and I'm glad you guys have been rocking with me since then. I'm pretty excited just to keep this journey going, and I'm excited for this episode particularly because... One, I have a great guest, but I think we're getting a unique lens on migration because, one, it's a form of temporary migration, but it could lead to permanent opportunities. But it's a cool look into the world of au pairs. Now, what is an au pair, you ask? Well, the formal definition is a helper from a foreign country who tends to work for and live with a host family. So they, they take on a share of that family's responsibility for childcare, but they also do some housework, and for that, they receive a monetary allowance for personal use. This is often referred to as a stipend or, you know, pocket money. These are, these are some terms for it. It's almost like a bougie living nanny from abroad, but I don't know, not so bougie. But it, it tends to be younger than the typical depiction of a nanny, I guess, that's, like, displayed in the popular media. But it tends to be a young woman, but our guest this week... It can also be a young man. That was first introduced to the concept of an au pair in a book I was reading growing up. It was in the 39 Clues series, and I haven't thought about that book in forever, honestly, but I don't even remember the name of the na- main kids, but the au pair was Nelly. I don't know how I remember that. I remember not knowing what an au pair was and asking my mom, and naturally she told me to go look it up, and honestly, I'm thankful for her always telling me that because it made me quite inquisitive, but that's how I first learned what an au pair was, but I never really you know, encountered it again until having Abby back on the podcast. She talked about her au pair days in Sweden. And then, you know, I kind of took to Instagram to see what was what was the au pair world like? Like, what were they up to? And I found an au pair meme page. I started following it because I found it pretty funny. But yeah, from there, I tried to just look for somebody who I thought would come on the episode. And that's how I came across Jared, who we will speak to later. But yeah, the au pair life seems really cool, like a really cool experience for somebody who's young, you know. I think the ages tend to be 18 to 26 and you know, maybe they're taking a gap year they just want to see the world maybe they just want to brush up on some of their language skills like there's a lot of possibilities and it provides an interesting and enriching opportunity for cultural exchange so it's like it's almost like an opportunity for study abroad almost just for a lot of people from other countries to get to experience life in a country like the united states because a lot of like what jared talked about in the interview i found parallels with my own study abroad experience but it's also you know, a lot of the families like to leverage this to further their kids language and cultural skills you know they can raise bilingual kids in this multicultural world i think it's an advantage you know people that get such close exposure to other cultures on both sides so i bet you're wondering where most of these au pairs come from so for this week's edition of migration education we're going to look at the au pair industry a little more broadly and see how all of the countries in the world interact in this au pair ecosystem it's actually more difficult than I thought to get some recent and comprehensive data on au pair programs and like the different countries that host and feed au pairs, but it makes sense since the industry itself is very agency driven. So different agencies, you know, they have different relationships with different countries, so you can get the deal. But it's also there's different levels of re- regulation for these industries. So in some countries, you can just, you know, match to somebody on Facebook and be matched with the family because of a close connect that you have. But here in the United States, it's very regulated. And we actually touch on that a little bit more in the interview, which is very interesting because I did not know that. But our data is actually also from the U.S. government. So I got this from a report from the U.S. Department of State, but it was published in 2015. So 
things could definitely have changed more dramatically since then, especially with the administration change. But I'm sure that a lot of the trends are more consistent. But I still note that like this is a popular thing around the world, and they do exist in countries like Australia, the Netherlands, and Germany, and also countries in the MENA region like the UAE, which was highlighted in last week's episode. Definitely give it a listen if you haven't yet. I also receive a decent amount of au pairs there, so it's definitely a highly international thing, not just here in the U.S. In fact, it's probably a lot less popular here than it is in some countries, but it's also a highly sought-out opportunity for a lot of au pairs to get an experience in the United States. So in terms of where in the United States au pairs tend to be placed, they're in the states that you can expect. So New York, California, New Jersey, Virginia, Massachusetts... So about 50% of all pairs in the United States reside in one of those states, which makes a lot of sense. And number six was Maryland, which sort of brings in the whole D.C. area with Virginia and Maryland together. Yeah, these are three very major hubs, very multicultural hubs. But I can see why all pairs would one want to spend their time there, but why families there, you know, tend to be needing the extra help. And not in a state like South Dakota, which had exactly zero all pairs at the time of this report. Who knows if that situation has changed, but... I personally can't admit to not knowing much about what's going on in South Dakota. In the U.S., 75% of au pairs are represented by 10 countries, so these top 10 feed a lot of the program. And nearly 25%, so a quarter of them, come from the top feeder country, Germany. Followed by Germany is Brazil, then Colombia, then France, then Mexico, and coming in at number 6 is actually the country representing our guest today, South Africa. The other countries in the top 10 were Sweden... Poland, Austria, and Italy. So lots of European representation, some Latin American, and then South Africa as a sole representation for that continent. So this can transition us over to the interview with Jared, actually. So like I said earlier, I found him after browsing on Instagram, you know, scrolling through some au pair pages. And I'm glad, you know, having a podcast means going on Instagram is working now. <laughs> I was really intrigued by his whole entire brand as the bro pair, because, you know, kind of... When you're looking for au pairs, you really expect them to be female, and I was really interested to see what the male perspective on this would be. And he was very excited to come on, so without further ado... So here with me today, I have Jared, also known as the bro pair on Instagram and YouTube, born in South Africa, but has had experiences working as an au pair outside of South Africa. Welcome aboard, man. How are you doing? Thank you, Aiden, for having me. I'm very, very happy to be here. It's my first podcast appearance, quote unquote, and I'm I'm very excited to be here. Well, I'm glad to have be your first one, and I thought you were a perfect fit after coming across your Instagram. Yeah, well, thank you. Yeah, so let's start by telling the audience where in South Africa you're from, where you currently are, and then where in the world you served as an au pair. So I'm from Johannesburg, South Africa, born and raised. And I went over to Austin, Texas, where I was an au pair for two years with the same family. And now I'm back in Johannesburg, South Africa, back at home with my parents. When I did come back, so the way that the au pair program works is that it's a temporary um, exchange, cultural exchange program. And so after your time as an au pair, then you kind of, your visa's up and everything. So you kind of have to go back to your home country. Mm. And so when I came back here, I think it was maybe two, two, two or three days later, um, then we went into lockdown, which was like crazy. So it, it was a weird first couple of months being back because normally as an au pair, you come back, 
and you get to see your friends and your family and get to just experience your all the things that you used to do in your home country but now with me i came back and i kind of had to stay in my room so to speak yeah, that must be tough like you had the world as your oyster in, in austin and now you're just like back home yeah it, it was so weird because so like originally going that side there's like kind of culture shock and then coming back there's i also was told like beware of the reverse culture shock mm. but it was kind of weird because i didn't really see anyone else or see any culture to get the shock because i mean i was stuck in the house so it was a very weird experience. You know, I can definitely see how that could be very jarring. It's just like you're supposed to be expecting this reverse culture shock, but it kind of, kind of just nothing. It's just just your family. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so let's take a step back for a moment. Like, how would you describe an au pair? Like, from my research, it seems like like a nanny babysitter, but then it also sounds like they kind of do everything. So yeah. <laughs> So basically, an au pair is an international live-in nanny. That's kind of where it's the, the difference is between that and a nanny. Um, a lot of mm. people, when they start out their whole application process to become an au pair, they do kind of get it confused with babysitting. and Because you have to have a lot of like childcare experience, especially if you're a male. You have to have more than if you're a female, which is weird. But anyways, we'll get into that later um but it's it's not essentially the same as babysitting babysitting you kind of there for a couple hours and then you can leave whereas as an au pair you live at the house with the family you become a part like you become a family member and so it's just it's a very weird experience and some families they they adhere to the whole the way that the program was designed to be a cultural exchange program and they want you to experience America or whatever country that you're going to au pair in. But then there are some families who, I don't know, maybe quote unquote take advantage of it and they just think of you as cheap labor. Mm. So it's really, it's sometimes it's the luck of the draw with the family that you get. You know, I feel like that would probably make or break the experience. 100%. Um, so, it is, you, you essentially do get the choice because um, you get to speak to all these different families beforehand and you decide, okay, I will match with this one and not with this one um, based off of your individual reasons or preferences. But so, it is kind of your choice, but then there are families who maybe omit some things and you only find out about it when you get there and you're actually living there with them and no au pair wants to go into rematch where you go and have to find a new family because the way that it works um if i remember correctly if you go into rematch you have about two weeks to find a new family and then if you don't then you have to go back to your home country so then it's like your fun is over so no au pair wants to find themselves in a rematch situation but it does unfortunately happen yeah, that makes sense it's almost like a job interview it's like both parties are on their best behavior during the interview so you don't yes really yes yes <laughs> but it's also in another set well another aspect of it it's you going to live with your employer <laughs> yeah, oh, <laughs> which yeah. is a whole a whole other experience you know i can't imagine that i like getting to go home <laughs> <laughs> like it's nice to be able to to go to your job and then be able to leave at the end of the day but 
you kind of wake up at your job, you go to sleep at your job. It's it's a very very unique experience. Yeah. So speaking of this unique experience, what kind of drove you to pursue being an au pair? Like, I know you mentioned childcare experience, but did you see it as a yeah. route to travel? Or did you know somebody who had done it before? Yeah. So my cousin had done it a few years before me, but I kind of didn't really pay much attention to it when he went. And then once I got my degree, so I have a degree in IT, then I didn't, I didn't feel as though I wanted to go into the corporate world. I can't see myself like behind a desk nine to five. That just, just the thoughts of it gives me anxiety. And so because I was still relatively young, so when I started pairing, it was 2018. February 2018 was when I started. And I started my application 2017. And so, I don't know, I just, I felt as though I, I, I needed some other life experience. And it was always a dream of mine to go to America ever since I was a boy, like a very, very young boy. I'd always, mm. there's a lot of American media that's portrayed here. So, like the, the movies and the TV shows and whatnot, it's all broadcast here in South Africa. And so, I kind of grew up watching all those shows on like Nickelodeon and Disney and it was I just I always kind of wished I grew up in America just from watching how it was like on the TV shows and yes it is a TV show so it's not everything is it's not all true but it was just a dream of mine to go there and experience it and when I found out that there was this opportunity to go and do it I was like okay cool so there's this chance for me to go to America and see how it is but then there's another aspect where you have to be kind of good with kids and I've got let me see now on my mom's side i've got about eight younger cousins and so i've always I've, I've always been surrounded by kids so naturally i've just been like really good with kids so i thought it was like the perfect fit for me and then that's pretty much what led me to becoming an au pair and also i, I think it's i needed to i felt the need to like start off on a clean slate um just to find myself and just to get away from my family in the sense that i wanted to like spread my wings and just find out truly what's like who Jared is. And I think that's the best way to do it. It's like to literally take yourself out of your comfort zone, even though it's halfway across the world, but it's honestly the best way to do it, to find yourself. No, I agree. It seems like a very freeing opportunity. Yeah. So back to that point you said about sort of American media in South Africa, I think that's pretty interesting. Would you say overall it's pretty popular or is it just external media in general? Um, I would say there's a, definitely a big influence with the way just American culture, just from the media, from the movies, TV shows, music, and then obviously then that translates into clothing and other aspects. Um, but South Africa has its own. Um, but there, there is just what I, from what I remember growing up as a kid, there was just a lot of American media, so to speak. And mm -hmm. that's what, kind of what I grew up on. So when it, when it came time for you to get the au pair you know, partnership, the match, or did you have to go through like an agency kind of deal or did you use your personal network? Can you walk us through that process? So the way that you do it, Jeff, there's in America, it's very very regulated whereas other parts of the world so netherlands or australia um it's not as regulated so you can kind of do it on your own but with america you have to um join one of the i think there's about 
I could be wrong, don't quote me on this number, but roughly about like 15 different agencies that are like registered to be an au pair agency. And you have to join one of those. And then through the agency, they help you to find a family, which the families, the families have to um, join as well. You can't just go on Facebook and find an au pair kind of a thing. And so once mm-hmm. you join with the agency, then there's the whole process of getting all your childcare references and doing your profile and then the on the host family side they do that as well and then i don't know if it's with all agencies but with my agency we had to do a like an application video and so we like you kind of like talk about yourself and then like your experiences with children and just what you're all about just to kind of help the the family see who you really are and if if it would really be a good fit and just to see like your personality and then once that's done, then you kind of just have to, it's like a waiting game. You have to wait until there's a, a family who sees your profile and says to the agency that they're interested in you. Then I got, once, that hap- once that happens, then that you would get an, an email from the agency. And then the agency says, okay, there's X family and they're interested in you. Here's their profile. Have a look at it and let us know if you're like, interested in them and want to take it further. And then if you want to take it further, then you set up a Skype interview with them. So then you can speak to the host parents and then sometimes the host kids will be there in the first interview and sometimes they'll be there in the second interview if you make it to like the next stage in their process. And then once that's done and you speak with the family, then you decide whether or not you're going to match. If you don't match, then you just say, you, like you don't feel as, that it's right for you, then you just tell the agency, listen, I don't feel like this is going to be a good match for me. And then they're like, okay, cool. Then you wait until the next family comes along. And, but once, the, once you found a good family and you like them and they like you, then you decide to match. Once that's done, then you go on, then you go on with the whole process of getting your visa. So going for your visa interview, and then once your visa is approved and you've got it in your passport, then that's when the agency will uh, book your flights. Then once your flights are booked, um, then it's kind of just you're getting on the plane and going to your your new family. But I will say that my f- there, there, there is this part where once you get, so you, you'll usually fly from your, your home country to America. And a lot of the times, a lot of the agencies, they will meet up all the au pairs going to, I think it's, I don't know if it's specifically New York, but I just know of New York where they, they have like a training school for a couple days to a week where they just go through a whole bunch of childcare things and just things about America and just to, I guess, help you integrate better into the culture and whatnot. And there's also like CPR um, courses and stuff in this in the training school. But with my agency, we had to do that online um, before we flew. So that was just the only difference between my agency and other agencies. And then once you're done with that training school um, for those agencies, then you then you would fly to your wherever whichever state your host family's in, and then you start your whole au pair year. It's pretty cool. Like, I was wondering if there was going to be like an orientation process. I was curious about that, actually. Yeah. So going off of this into your, you know, your bro pair identity, I'm like knowing that it was heavily female, was it difficult for you to even get an interview or were families like, willing to speak with you just once they saw your video? Uh, it's, it was weird. I knew that it was predominantly female um, dominated. Um, and so I... 
but but my cousin had done it prior to me like i said so i i knew there was like some form of hope so it was difficult in the beginning because i think it was about four months before from the time that my application was approved to the my first uh family interview request it was about four months and then within let me see i, th- I think it was at the 11th month that's when i i matched with the family that i was with but in between that time i spoke to about eight different families and some of them it was them not wanting to like match with me or like they didn't like my profile or something like that and then a lot of the time it was me that i just didn't feel as though we would be a good fit but the first first family that i spoke to it was um it was a mom and a dad and then a little girl and they stayed in Rhode Island, but they were moving to Hawaii. So now as a foreigner, you hear that you're going to be like probably living in Hawaii. So it's like your eyes go big and it's like, it, it sounds like the coolest thing ever. I live here. My eyes are big. <laughs> <laughs> like to live in paradise. Because just also from the media, you just see Hawaii as this amazingly beautiful place. And now you're going to get the chance to live there. It's like the coolest thing ever. But so I spoke to this family for a while and it was a little girl. She was, I think she was three or four years old. So we spoke for a couple of weeks and then there came a part, uh, a, a part where the, the mom sent me an email and she was like, Hey Jared, so that's between you and another au pair and we'll, we'll decide today and then we'll get back to you. So then I was like, okay, cool. And then they ended up getting back to me and they decided to go with the other au pair just because so her reasoning was that um because i'm a guy and it's going to be looking after a little girl that there there were those like issues where like say i was out with her and we we're at the park or whatever and then i had to take her to the bathroom or something then she didn't the mom just didn't really think that that was gonna like work out that well or didn't see how that could have really worked out and i mean yes i do understand that but why would you have spoken to me for so long because this because this is kind of an issue that you would like know off the bat so that's that, that was kind of this um disheartening and so it kind of like knocked my spirits down a bit but then a little while later i got another interview request and then that family just didn't feel right and then so on and so forth and then i think it was december december of 2018 i had one of my final interview requests and then i was just like i said to myself that i don't know if this is working out i mean there's been quite a few families and even my agency said send me an email and they were like jared there's been quite a lot of interest like for you why do you keep saying no to all these families and i just told the agency that if i'm going to be living with this family for a year maybe even two years i need to know that it's going to be a good fit or at least have like some kind of I need like some kind of a sign that's or like indication that it's going to be a good fit because I don't want to have to go into rematch. So then they said, okay, cool. But when December came, I just said to myself, January, I'm just going to tell the agency that I'm just going to give up because I, I can't find a family. Lo and behold, the first week of January, 2018, so all my interview requests, uh, all my interviews with the families were in 2017. Then the first week of January 2018, uh, I got an interview request. I was like, okay, this is cool. I read through the family's profile. They seemed nice. It was a single mother and two boys. And now it, it 
piqued my interest because I was raised by a single mother, my brother and I. So I, I would be able to relate to this family like pretty well. So I saw that as like a little bit of a sign. And then I spoke to them and we ended up matching within the week. And then I was just on my way. But in all honesty, it is a lot more difficult for a guy because just the role of a nanny or an au pair, it's, you, straight away, you'd normally just think of like a woman. Mm-hmm. And so that's that has made it a little difficult. And also, I don't know, like families have an issue with, or some families have an issue with um, a, a man looking after their kids. Like they don't see that that's a man's role, so to speak. So that's where like the issue comes in. Um, but it, it, it can be pretty difficult for a guy to find a family. Well, I'm glad you found your perfect match of a family. It seems like it worked out quite well. Yeah. So you landed in Austin. Did you have like any geographical like preferences when it came to the United States? Or were you kind of just like hoping that the family matched before everything? So it's it's funny because every au pair when they in their the the application process and you ask them, Oh, where would you like to au pair? I'm not even joking, majority will say like California. Because they want to be, they want to be close to LA. Some might even say like New York, but majority would say California. So my first choice was California, but then my second was Texas. And so when I found out that this family was, in, firstly I didn't know where Austin was, and then so I had to look it up. And then I saw that it was in Texas, and I was like, oh well, this is kind of cool. It was my second option because usually they, they, you would people would tell au pairs don't go to a certain state like finding the right family is is paramount don't try and just find a family that's in the state that you want to be in because then things can end very very badly that's how rematches happen um Mm -hmm. but i was very very happy that i landed in texas and i got the opportunity to be in texas and just looking back there was i i did travel a lot with the family and I would honestly say that Austin is the absolute best city to open in. Even just to even to live in, Austin is the best city. No, I've heard amazing things about Austin pretty much from everyone who's like lived there or went to school there. And like I think everyone who goes to UT will tell you about it. Yeah. <laughs> so let's shift the conversation over to right before you left. So you're gonna land for the first time. I guess what steps did you take before you had to leave for the States? What all did you have to leave behind? How did your friends and family react? So, it was also because it was such a long process, um, the whole of 2017 from the moment I told them that, oh, guys, I'm going to, well, when I spoke to my family and my friends and said, I'm going to be an au pair, firstly, they didn't know what that was. Um, then I had to, like, explain that to them. But because it was kind of drawn out the whole of 2017, there, was, there did come a point where it's like, hey, are you still going to do this au pair thing? And then... Yeah, so then once once I, I found the family and I matched with them, then I told them, and they were very excited, but they were also like pretty sad that I was leaving. But they were just excited for me that it was something that I really wanted to do, and I get to go to America and experience America, and not many people get to do that. So once that was all done and then the flights were booked, then I had to get my international driver's license. Um, I had to decide on... I had to get like luggage and decide what I was going to pack. And the one mistake that I would say majority of au pairs make is they, they pack way too much. 
way, way, way too much. And so, yeah, then it's just the whole thing of packing and getting all your things ready and what's going to be in your checked luggage and what's going to be in your carry-on. And then you like, you're busy watching all these videos about how to pack, like the best way to pack and, um, some say folding, some say rolling your clothes. And so it's, it's, it's all these like little preparations. And one thing for me is that I was trying to, throughout the whole process, I was looking up all these, like even like little things about like, um, like how to deal with about like the whole au pair experience on YouTube. And I was trying to do as much research as I could. And there was just like some questions that weren't being answered. And then when I decided that, or when I found out that I'm actually going to be an au pair, then that's when I decided that I'm not going to let another au pair go through this again, where there's so much uncertainty about the program. Cause I'm one person, I'm, I'm the type who, if I'm going to do something, I want to know every single thing about it. And I wasn't going to let another au pair feel as scared and unsure of things as what I did. And that's one of the driving forces behind the chat, uh, my YouTube channel. So when working as an au pair, what is the visa designation? Like, do you have any limitations of your visa status? Are you able to travel freely or are you bound to certain hours? So with, with the visa, it's a J1 student visa. Okay. And um, so then once you're there, so it's only valid for a year. But once you're there, you can extend your au pair program for either six, nine or 12 more months. But in that, sec in that first year, you can travel, you can go out of America, you can come back in and there's, the, there's multiple, it has multiple entries um, on the visa. So that's, that's fine. You can go out and you can come in. Um, but once your first year is done and you decide to extend, in your second year, you, you can't leave the country until your au pair time is done. Otherwise, you won't be allowed back in because your visa was only valid for that first year and now it's done. So that was the one thing that I didn't like because my family went on two international trips in my second year that I just couldn't go to because my visa was um, not valid anymore, so to speak. But you're still allowed to live there the second year. It's just that, so visas basically, visas just allow you to go in and out of a country. Um, then there's other paperwork that says you can legally live there for that extra amount of time. Um, but then there was, I did have a conversation with an au pair. I can't remember when it was, but some au pairs on their visa, it states there that once their like au pair time is done and they go back to their home country, they're not allowed to return to America for, I think it's like two years. Oh, wow. And um, and on my visa, it doesn't say that. So I'm not too sure, but, but I did see somewhere where it was, there was something to do with age. So it was like, if you older than 27, then that two year rule does not apply. But some au pairs have told me that it's on their visa, it says that there's like a two year rule. So once you leave America, you can't come back for a whole two years. That's weird. Is it like every country to certain countries or like this is a recent rule? I, 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 to be honest, I have no idea. The, the conversation that I had was maybe a couple of months back, but I, I don't know if it's just all countries or if there is a particular set of countries, I, I have no idea, but that's just something to be aware of with, um, if you, if the, your listeners are wanting to become an au pair or look into this, 
if you're going to look into becoming an pay, also look into this visa thing because I'm uh, that's one thing that I have no idea about. Yeah, definitely. Also, you mentioned like 27. Is it typically age restricted? Because I imagine au pairs being like running a little younger, but is there like an official age limit? Yes. So in America, it's 18 to 26, uh, but you just have mm-hmm. to be there literally before you turn or yeah, you have to be in the country before you turn 27. So 18 to 26 in America. And for other parts of the world, I think it's, it's, it's still 18 to 26, but it might be able to be pushed up to 30. I think in Europe, it it goes up to 30 if i'm not mistaken but that's your your age range all right so let's shift it over to you know finally being in austin and starting your au pair experience so you land at the airport like what do you remember your first day being like were you just thrown right into it did the family give you time to acclimate or so usually what happens is that you'll come in the previous or the if you're lucky enough to go to a family that has a previous or a current au pair at the time you come in in their last week so then you have that kind of week to adjust to so they can show you the ropes which is usually like the best option to take if your family has an au pair already um so and the previous au pair for maho's family he was also from south africa which is pretty cool so we got along quite well and so he just showed me the ropes in that first week and just well i was kind of just like getting used to my bearings and whatnot but just landing there in Austin, it's, it was, I don't know, it, it felt like an out-of-body experience. I don't know if that's the best way of explaining it, but it's, it's like you're finally in this place that you've always dreamed about of like going to and experiencing. And now you like land there and now you're standing there in the airport. And then the, so the, the family car was uh, a big Suburban. And now in South Africa, we don't have as big co- of like cars as that. Like in America, their vehicles are huge. So this this big suburban, this big black suburban pulls up, and this was the family car, and it was the previous au pair he was driving, and it was just so surreal to see how big this thing is. And then so I got in, and now I'm sitting in there, and he's on the the, the steering wheel's on the other side of the car, and now he's also driving on the other side of the road compared to south africa so that so that was actually very weird and for the whole ride i was just pretty quiet just like looking at everything like my eyes were huge just like trying to absorb as much of everything as i possibly could and so that first week it was it was weird i I had a little bit of jet lag um just trying to get used to the the time difference because currently austin is eight hours behind South Africa because of daylight savings, but usually it's like seven. Um, but yeah, just getting used to the, just being in my new surroundings, waking up and just realizing I'm not in my bed in South Africa, but I'm now in this new bed in this new room. So it is, it is something to get used to, but you, 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 you get, you get used to it pretty quickly. I feel like what you have to be in the swing of things, it becomes pretty normal. <laughs> Yeah, no, definitely. And it does it does help to have that other au pair there just to show you the ropes, how everything is, just to, I don't know, just to facilitate the whole process that so that everything just like goes a lot more smoothly. 
you know, it's easy having someone to help with that transition, especially yeah. who's in the same position. Yeah. So he would also be able to, or he or she would be able to give you like the, the insider tips and tricks of what works and say the kids are doing this wrong. What's the best way to handle it? So it's, 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 it's very nice to have, uh, have to have to go to a family who's had a previous au pair. And I feel like they're more likely to tell you the truth than like the kids. <laughs> oh yeah. So normally I think some host families might not want the the previous au pair to say everything because they, they wouldn't want them to scare off any potential au pairs. But because they're in their last week, they'll literally tell you anything and everything. <laughs> and so there's like, it's not like no holds barred because I mean, that's, they're in their last week, they're, they're pretty much done. So nothing they can say will hurt them. So they, they're usually pretty honest in that last week. Well, that's good. So can you walk us through like the average day in the life of an au pair, like from wake up to sleep, like what's your task, what's the day like? So it's, it varies a lot depending on the family. So if there's a family of like, it's a mom, a dad and the kids, usually um, the mom and dad will go to work and, but then it also does depend on the, the age of the kids. So if the kids have to, if they're babies and they'll stay at home or if they're old enough, they'll go to school. But with me, for example, I would wake up seven, uh, wake the boys up, get them dressed, brush teeth, uh, breakfast. I made breakfast for the mom as well as the boys. Then get them out because um, the, the, we were lucky that the, the school bus was r- pretty much right outside the door and like, we'd pick them up. So I would literally stand at the door and say bye to them. I could literally see them walk to the school bus. And then from there, I would go back inside, have breakfast, uh, take the dog outside, then unpack the dishwasher, clean up a little, and then repack the dishwasher. And then some days I would do the laundry. Uh, It was usually like every second day. And then kind of when they're at school, it's like your free time to do whatever. And so I would go to gym or I would shoot videos or edit um and then but usually after gym i would go to the shops and do some like grocery shopping because it was like right there and then i'd come home and then i'd cook dinner and then walk to go get the the boys from the bus stop then they would come inside have a snack and then it was only i think it was last year they started with homework and then so we that was a struggle in the beginning because they did not want to do their homework um <laughs> and then we'd get that done and then we would kind of just chill and play if they wanted to do something particular, like swim in the pool or go to the park, uh, go play basketball or something. Uh, but then also, it would also depend if they had extramural activities. So my boys had like martial arts. So that would go until about five. So then I would have to go and pick them up at the school at five as opposed to getting them at, when, when was it? I think it was like 3.40 when they ended school. Um, so yeah, we just, there's, there's a lot of like driving around and then, so picking them up from the extramural, then bringing them back home. And it's usually like chilling with them at home, doing whatever they want. Um, if they need, if you need to clean up anything, if they make a mess, you clean that up. Um, and then when it comes to bedtime, getting them to brush their teeth and then get into bed and go to sleep and then kind of that repeats. But then. So a lot of my work was the latter part of the day going into the night time. Whereas there's other au pairs who would normally, once the par- the host parents go to work, then they'll be on until the host parents get home at 
five or six. And then from six, essentially, they're off for the rest of the night. So your schedule does vary a lot, depend, dependence on your family and dependence on the number of kids and the age of the kids. You know, it would be so different if you had like a one-year-old, a two-year-old. I know. So like, I, I, I didn't essentially know like what kind of an age I wanted to take care of. Like, so I thought that maybe babies would be a little bit easier because when like they're taking a nap, you can take a nap. And that just sounded like amazing. But when you think about it, like in those actual situations when they're taking a nap, you're busy cleaning or doing other things yeah. where that, that you wouldn't be able to do when they were awake. So it just, yeah, it, it, honestly, it, it varies. As with all things in life, it just depends. It depends on the family. It depends on the number of kids. And I mean, some families have about five kids and the ages range from anything from a baby to like a 16-year-old. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's a lot. <laughs> so you mentioned a bit of traveling. Is this like common with the au pair experience? And like, what do you what do you typically do when you're just traveling? Do you sort of take care of the kids wherever the destination is? Or do you have other duties? So when you travel, so it honestly depends. Like it depends as it, again, it depends on the family. If the family travels a lot, then you'll travel with them. Um, but if they, sometimes you, you get to get a family who doesn't necessarily travel at all. And so it's just kind of luck of the draw there. But when you do travel, then you're still kind of on the clock. I would say that you do probably work a lot more if you go on a trip with the family. So there were a lot. Of, so my host mom, she um, traveled a lot for work. So she was in the medical industry. And so every time that she traveled, she would take the boys with, which means that I would go with because she wanted to see the, the boys to kind of like see the world in a sense, which is pretty cool um so then when she would go then i would go with the boys and while she was busy with uh like work stuff then i would go and do stuff with them so and if we went to so one time we went to new york we went to the central park and walked around there we went to this one place called serendipities and had hot chocolate there frozen hot chocolate there uh we went to the nintendo store so it's it it's pretty cool that like in that sense, you get to travel with your with your your host family, like essentially for free, because when you're working, you don't really pay for anything. Um, but you also get to. So it's it, it's 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 hard. So it's cool that you get to travel, but then you're working, so it's not like you can really like enjoy your whole experience of like being in new york and doing exactly what you, it is that you want to do you've got these two little two little boys <laughs> tugging on your arm and saying i want to go here i want to go here and then now you have to make kind of like everyone happy so it's 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 weird to to be able to like if i could give like a i don't have the, the words analogy but the one time we went to monaco and so the mom had some big conference there and I was just like sitting there on the the balcony at, at the hotel and it's like Monaco is like right here, like right in front of me, but it feels like there's this glass in front of me, like stopping me from like touching it and experiencing it because I'm, because I'm working. So like I was there on the balcony and I have the two boys next to me and they would be yelling or crying or something or hitting each other and it's... It's, it's just a weird experience. So, I mean, like I was, I was, don't get me wrong. I was extremely blessed to have gotten that opportunity, but it's just, it's hard 
going to one of these like really really cool places and traveling but then it's you working so it's like your 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 focus is always there on the kids whereas opposed to like sightseeing for example and actually like taking everything in of where you actually are yeah so you don't have autonomy over the experience you can't like decide anything (laughs) yeah exactly it's it's always what the what the kids want to do so wait how old were the boys again so they were twins and when i started they were seven twins yeah and they'll be 10 at the end of this year okay sort of going back to like the working in the pay point from what i researched it seems like a pocket money situation is it like a standardized amount or does it vary by family yeah so in america as i said before because it's so regulated um the the money is 195.75 dollars a week and that's standard like every single pair will get Mm. that but it, that is your, your weekly stipend or pocket money because you're essentially living under your accommodations paid for because you're living with the family. And then also the family, the, the family pays for your food. So that's kind of why the money isn't as high as, uh, as what it should be. I, th- I think it definitely could be a lot higher. Your pairs don't get that much. Um, but I think the whole, because it's a whole cultural experience and you're living with the family, that's why it's been regulated that it doesn't necessarily need to be that much money. I feel like if they technically try to factor in cost of living and rent and stuff, they can try to make it seem like a higher salary, even though it's not money. Yeah, yes, 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 yes. Um, but there's there's no reason why you can't ask for a raise. Um, but I, I do think a lot of all pairs are scared to ask for a raise or they don't even think they they could have that opportunity to ask for a raise. It's a weird power distance. yeah. So speaking on your experience a little more generally, was there anything about life in the United States that shocked you? Um, just the amount of variety and like options that they have there. I mean, with regards to food or vehicles or products, just the amount of variety that was there, it was kind of jarring, especially when you walk down like the cereal aisle of HEB and there's literally a full aisle of just cereal products. And I mean, there'll be like Fruit Loops, but then there's also Fruit Loops with marshmallows. And it's that was one of the weirdest things. It's just how much variety like th- that there is there in America. And just, I don't know, it was, it was very, very weird the first time I saw that. Because it's something I take for granted. I never really thought about that. <laughs> and I mean, so I, 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 I met a lot of... Um, a lot of people there and then i would have to explain about like kind of the differences with like south africa and whatnot but i I do i do also think that americans i want to i want to be kind of like politically correct when i say this (laughs) um but it's like I, i do think americans take things for granted so with regards to something as small as um ac yeah, well, like there in America, it's pretty integrated into like all the apartments, the houses and whatnot, as far as I experienced. And whereas here in South Africa, it's it's really not, unless it's like a new development, a new house, a new apartment. But we don't have that in-house, um, whole house heating situation with AC. So it's just something like that. So when my girlfriend... Um, so she's scheduled to come here well, when she can. It's probably be January next year. Um, then she, she, we were talking about AC, and then she was wondering if she's she she doesn't want to come off 
like entitled so like we we're, we were speaking about like when she's like out like out with my friends and whatnot and if she says something like oh why, can you guys just turn on the ac if like she's feeling hot or something like that and i just said that yeah that like that that's where it's like just the mentality is different and i think i do think americans take even little things like ac for uh, for granted going off of that like were people able to pick up on your accent and place where you were from or did you feel like people you had to tell people you're south african and did you feel like people from the u.s were knowledgeable about south africa at all, at all? so i got so many national nationalities like it, it was so weird so the first time when i landed in so when I, I when i originally flew i went from johannesburg to new york and then new york to austin when i landed in new york i was in the line and then this lady turns around to me and starts speaking spanish and i'm just like <laughs> uh then i just shook my head i was like no <laughs> um but it was weird though so a lot of people when i spoke like the moment i said something like i, I think they were they were they were maybe uh, expecting quote unquote me to sound american but when i started speaking there was like this brief pause that they had but i could just see it in their eyes they were like huh like they were not expecting like that sound to come out of my mouth and so people would think that i was german um a lot of the time it was am i either australian from the uk or new zealand those 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 three were the most common ones that that i got sometimes they would the, the only time where someone would say south african is if they had previously met another south african that's pretty much the only time someone would get south african and was it was not often yeah, I feel like you need to meet a South African and know that accent to like be able to pick it up because otherwise yeah. it just sounds like a mix of like all the ones you've mentioned. No, exactly. And I mean, for a South African, like if there's an Australian in a room, me, a New Zealander, and someone from the UK, it's very, very easy for me to like distinguish the three of them apart from mine. But it's, it feels as though Americans would just group us all together. You know, we're, we're weird like that. <laughs> But we still love you, America. <laughs> <laughs> Reflecting on your whole experience, did it did anything differ from what you expected? Um, it's it's weird. I I did not expect to be f like for it to have had such an impact on my life. It's so I knew I was going to America, have a good time in America. I knew I was going to take care of kids, but I did not expect to form such a strong bond with the family and especially the kids and i mean my last day i bawled my eyes out when i had to say goodbye to them and i did not expect to form such a strong bond with them and i mean they still call me it's weird because i don't think it happens with every single au pair but they still call me to this day every single weekend and i mean i've been gone now eight months Every single weekend without fail, we will Skype and like usually we'll play Fortnite or something. Um, and sometimes they'll just call me just to like see my face with, from what it seems like. But I did not expect, and I mean, honestly, I, I love those boys like they were my own. And I still do to this day. I want to like be in their lives for the rest of their lives. And I, I just didn't expect it to have such an impact on me and just the amount also that I grew as a person, like, like I became so much of an individual, whereas I, I felt as I was pretty sheltered here, um, 
from my parent or by my by my mom and i just came into my own and i mean i found before becoming an au pair i also didn't realize i had this this passion for photography and um, videography and making videos so I, I feel as though if i never took this this journey i would have never realized i have this massive passion for this and it always makes me wonder like where would i be right now if i never became an au pair yeah, it seemed like it unlocked a lot for you and really sort of drove the next chapter in your life. Yeah, I mean, I would honestly say it's the most important decision, the best decision I've ever made in my life. And there's that my only regret is that I never did it sooner into my 20s, that I, I kind of like only did it at 25. I guess, was there anything that made you hesitate or was it just kind of when you were 25, you decided it was time? No, so, I mean... When I was in high school, like the, the next step, when you're in what well, we call it matric, but it would be like grade 12. Um, so your next step is you go to university and you study and then you go and you get a job. Like that's just the way things go. And then so it was, I feel as though university was an impulse like decision. It was just like, oh, okay, that's just the, the next thing that you're supposed to do is you're supposed to go to university. Um, so I also didn't for the first five years or in, in my 20s I, I didn't really know what an au pair was it wasn't even a thought in my head I didn't really know of any cultural exchange programs so I just wish that I had known about it when I was like 21 or something because then I would have more than likely like done it and I could have maybe done it a year in New Zealand and a year in Australia a year in the UK and then my two years in America because I feel as though if I could go back honestly speaking that is what I would do because Traveling in your twenties is probably the best thing for you. You would get you would gain so much life experience. And I think it's also the best time to travel. You're not locked down or tied down to anything. No, no, exactly. So I guess another point on your time in Texas, were you able to get a little slice of home anywhere while in the States? Like did you meet any other South Africans or do you have access to any like foods from home or favorite snacks? So on our trip to New York, um, I think it was in my f in the latter part of my my first year. I had actually met. Believe it or not, there is a ton of South Africans who are au pairs in America. It's very very popular with South Africans, and so I had a friend. Um, so she saw on my Instagram that I was there in New York at that time, and she's like, "Oh, okay, let's meet up." So we met up. And then she told me about this South African shop that sold like all products from South Africa. So whether it was like biscuits or um, cool drink or like, or like soda or chips or like a whole bunch of South African stuff. And so she told me about it. And then I took the boys there just so that they could experience some South African foods and candies and whatnot. So there was there's actually a few places or there's a few shops in America that actually just sell south african products just because there's a lot of south africans in america and then another experience where i got um a taste of home is for my birthday so there's a there's another store in california and then my mom had bought from that store and sent it to me uh, a whole like goodie bag of of stuff from south african stuff for my birthday and then so meeting other south africans 
um there was one time where i got into an uber with some of my friends it was like an uber pool so that's where you can be in like a car with like strangers <laughs> um so i got in the back seat and there was a there was a guy already in there so he was in the back left and then i got in the middle and then my friend was to the right of me and then i don't know i don't know if i heard him say something and then i like i picked up on the accent like straight away and i was like are you from south africa and he's like yes and then my friend then I, I kind of didn't believe him and then just because like i had never met another south african before in america and so my friend was like okay well both sing your national anthem and then three two one we both start singing it's the exact same thing word for word and then it was the most it was the most surreal experience it was so cool so then we exchanged numbers um i never saw him again after that night <laughs> but but it was <laughs> just so it was. <laughs> it was just so surreal that i was sitting next to another south african and i mean i don't know i, d- I doubt he was an au pair but i don't know why he was there but it was just so surreal and then another time i was so there's like a kind of like a party street there in austin called rainy street where there's just a whole bunch of bars like either side of the road and people just go and then they bar hop like the whole night and so i was walking in the street and then i just happened to look to my left and then i saw there was this couple and then the woman had a handbag and the handbag had a south african flag on it and so i walked up to her and i was just like are you from south africa and then she was like yeah and then i could just hear it was like the the, the afrikaans like she still had her like the afrikaans south african accent and so then like she picked up on my accent and then she told me to sit down then we we sat and we had some drinks and we just spoke about like south africa and then just being there so it was just like weird moments and like moments that you wouldn't expect where i would like get a taste of home or like meet other south africans so that was pretty cool i'm glad you still got that little taste in america but yeah there's people from everywhere yeah and that, that's one of the things that i loved about america is that it's so diverse like there's people from all over the world there and it's so cool so what advice would you offer to someone else in your shoes maybe considering taking on this au pair journey about to go through the math process so honestly you need to do it if you especially if you're a guy and you're thinking about um, becoming an au pair. Uh, I know there's going to be a lot of raised eyebrows when you tell your friends and family that, hey, I want to be an au pair. And then usually it's like followed by what's an au pair. And then it's like, okay, well, it's an international living nanny. I'm going to be living with the family and like looking after the children. And then they'd be like, well, you're going to be like a babysitter, a nanny. Why are you going to be looking after the kids? You're like a guy. There's still people who think that way. So there's going to be raised eyebrows, which is unfortunate. Um, But honestly, it was the best time of my life. And I can't speak highly enough about it. If they don't worry about what people say, because I too was worried. I was scared to tell people. I I was even scared to tell people that I had the YouTube channel about au pairing. Um, So you honestly, you need to not care what people think if you want to do it you need to go and do it because it will change your outlook on life it'll make you realize that there's so much more to this world than meets the eye and especially from for people from south africa you need to get out of south africa just to experience the world so that it can it this au pair program it's 
I absolutely love it. That's why I'm still in, so involved with it, like to this day with the channel and making videos. It's such a beautiful program and that's why I, I speak so highly of it because I, I just know that it can change people's lives forever. And I mean, even so you can be changing some child's life in America forever. So honestly, if if you if you want to do it, don't look back. Just go ahead and do it because you you won't regret it. That would be my my advice. And I fully recommend it too. It seems like a really cool program, and I knew nothing of it as an American yeah. until like I had a previous podcast guest who mentioned something about it. Oh really? Yeah. So actually, I wanted to ask you a little more about your YouTube channel. Sort of what inspired you to start it? Where can people find you? What kind of videos do you have? So when so in in the beginning um it was more so just to it was just a, a place for me to upload my application video um so that the i could send it to the agency um but then when i just when i found out that i was gonna go and be an au pair and i'd match with the family then i was thinking of like kind of showcasing to my friends and family back home of all that it was that i was getting up to there but then when i saw the like the, the, all the, the when I asked, the lack thereof of all the the content and all the questions that I had that weren't being answered, then I was just like, well, I'm doing this. I kind of like being in front of the camera, and I like making. I've some sort of video making ability. Um, so let me let me make videos for people, and so that's kind of where it started. And I just because I like I said earlier, I didn't want any other or pair to feel as scared or unsure about the whole program as what I did. And then also another main proponent of the the channel is that I wanted to bring more awareness to male or pairs and just to to take away or to change society's perceptions on male or pairs and just to bring more or pair more males to the role and to the program. So that was kind of the whole thing behind the the channel. And so people can find me on Instagram and YouTube at the bro pair. And if you are coming from this podcast, I would please let me know. That would be really cool. That would definitely be cool. And now we're on to the last question, which is a staple that I ask every single guest. Is your migration journey over? Do you see yourself returning to the States or trying to staying home in South Africa or even trying to take your career internationally elsewhere? So, I like I said, I, it was always a dream of mine to go to America, and, and I experienced America. When I knew that I had, when I was coming closer to the point of me coming back to South Africa, I was honestly, I was sad because now I've found this this place, and even so, it was it was more apparent to me when I got back here. But America kind of feels like home now, or like Texas feels like home. Um, I I just feel like I belong there and I just feel more of myself there. So my goal, and because I still have my girlfriend there in Texas, my goal is to move back to Austin and live there permanently. I'm just trying to find a way how, like how, because it's it's not that easy. Um, but honestly, that that is my goal and I plan to be back in America next year. Well, let's hope you can make it happen. And yeah, I know it's hard. I feel like America and immigration is a co- quite a complex area but 
I wish you all the luck and I hope you can come back and maybe return on the podcast. Or- oh, thank you. I would absolutely love that. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on. It was great hearing your story, getting a little more perspective on the all pair experience and the male all pair experience because I feel like it's one people don't get to hear about. So Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Aiden. Uh, when I, I got your email, I was like, someone wants me to be on a podcast that's so cool (laughs) i'd always i'd always like i told my friends like yeah one day i'm gonna be on a podcast and then like i i didn't really like do much more about it but when i saw your email it made i was elated and just i've enjoyed my time speaking with you so thank you so much for having me wasn't that fun jared's pretty lit so i see why his youtube and instagram page have some traction and honestly his video production skills are pretty good so if you're interested in his content, learning more about his all pair experience, or even just learning about the things all pairs have to go through and prepare for, definitely check out his YouTube page and his Instagram page at the Bro Pair. Can you believe we've made it to episode nine? And next week we're gonna be on to episode ten, which was my soccer number growing up. So a little fun fact for you guys there. And I'm gonna just drop the hint. Not even a hint, I'm gonna tell you where we're going for next week, but we're taking a little trip to Switzerland, so it should be exciting. I don't know, maybe I'll buy some Swiss cheese or something. As always, please remember to follow me on Instagram or Twitter at PushPullFactor. Like our page on Facebook. Check out our website, PushPullFactor.com. And remember to subscribe where you get your favorite podcast. Give us a plus five. Even bookmark one of our posts on Instagram. Every little bit of it helps. Just thank you for your listening and thank you for all your support. And of course, have a good one.